Good evening, and welcome to the first ever Forte Catholic Show. My name is Taylor Schroll, and I am the Forte Catholic. I'm so excited to be back on radio in San Antonio. I worked with their Catholic radio station doing some commercials, but I've always had a love for radio. Wanted to have uh, a show where I can just talk to myself for an hour. It's one of my favorite things of all time to do. Um, and I thank you for all you guys listening out there on Red Sea Radio 88.5. I was always told that I had the perfect face for radio. So I'm very, very happy to be here. I have a, a couple of goals today. I just want to introduce myself to you. I want to share a little bit of my personal testimony. Um, we're also going to have our, th- our theme today being mercy. We all know that this year has been the year of mercy. We're coming towards the close of that. Um, but we're gonna. I'm gonna tell just a, in my story how God's mercy has has um, shown itself to me. How God has just been so merciful in my life because I am a dope and a sinner, and I need all of His mercy that I can get. Um, and then the third thing we're gonna do is I have a friend here in studio named Dylan Browning. He is a youth minister in the area, and he just got back from World Youth Day in Poland. He saw the Pope. He's a pretty cool guy. So we will talk to him in the second half of the show. But just to kind of introduce myself and what Forte Catholic is, um, I just thought I'd uh, just start off. I I, um, started Forte Catholic last year. Um, I am a husband. I'm a father of two children who are absolutely crazy, and I love them to death. Um, I've been in youth ministry for about 10 years now. I work with the Blaze Ministries here in town in Bryan, um, and I love it here. I moved here a year ago, and we are absolutely loving the Catholic community here. I am a director of youth ministries, so I oversee two youth ministries, um, uh, St. Joseph's in Bryan and St. Mary's um, out of town, but I am um, just so excited to be here in this town, in this great um, atmosphere that we have, and uh, for this opportunity just to come and spend some time with you guys on the air every week. Um, So what is Forte Catholic, right? So the word Forte uh, means a couple of things. I'm a musician, I have a music degree, and musicians out there know that the word forte means loud. And once you get to know me, you know that if any one word could describe me, it would first be forte. And then also, because I've been um, working in the church for so long, I'm a child of the church, that second word would be Catholic. So very, very easy to put together, forte and Catholic. And um, But there's also a little play on words there too. So when you say that something is your forte, it's something that you're good at, right? Um, so what... Um, Forte Catholic wants to do is just to live out your faith in a way that will inspire others um, to follow Christ in a deeper way, to live our faith loudly and to bring out your forte. What is the thing that, that God has given you that you can do well to share his love and his mercy with the kingdom? Um, so there's a couple of goals um, that Forte Catholic that I want to do with this, uh, with this show and it's just answered a couple of simple questions. Just what does the life of, of, of a Catholic walking through life look like? Someone, what does it look like to be striving to grow in holiness? Um, and at, at any stage, um, what is that looking like? If you're taking that first step where, okay, I'm a little, I'm tuned into this Catholic radio station. I've, I've never been a person of faith before. I just have these questions. I'm curious. Okay, how do we take that next step and get you some answers and get you... Um, uh, just just get you some help in that. But if you've been in the church for 30, 40 years, um, how can we take that a little deeper? How can you take that next step? And that's what we want to do here. Uh, the second thing is, uh, what, what do a daily prayer life and what a holy friendships and spiritual growth 
um, getting connected with churches. What does that look like? What is those for? How are those things helpful? And what can we do um, to help you with that? So our, um, as I said, our theme today is on mercy. And I just wanted to share, um, just as part of my personal testimony and a little uh, sharing about myself, is um, how God has demonstrated his love uh, to me in, in my life personally. Um, and this has just been uh, something that's come, ac- come up over the past summer. Uh, we, uh, we took our young people uh, from the area, all the Catholic churches in the Bryan College Station area, uh, took our kids to Steubenville Lone Star. And the, and the, the theme this year was on, um, was on mercy. And our theme verse was Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And it's been interesting because this verse keeps popping up over um, just the past, couple, the past year for me. And it says in Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrates his own love for us, that in why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So let's take a few steps back. In the beginning, God created the world, right? He created uh, Adam and Eve. They were in perfect union with God. And then they were deceived by the serpent and they sinned. And what that, that sin is, is separation from God. They were in perfect union with him. And that sin came in. And anything that, um, what sin is, is just something that blocks us from God, right? So we, we as a human race revolted against God. We became his enemies and we couldn't fix that separation. But he said in that same chapter, in Genesis chapter 3, he, God promised that he would send someone who would fix that problem for us. And we know that, that person by, by a name, right? Jesus. So God knew from the beginning that we were, that we sinned, that we had um, wrecked our relationship with him, but he was sending his son to renew that relationship with us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us a few thousand years later. Okay, so what does that mean for me? As Catholics, we, um, we are very good about recognizing sin. We have a, a, a specific term on how we deal with sin in our lives. Um, whether you're Catholic or not, you have heard of this thing called Catholic guilt, right? So we are very good at feeling bad about our sin, feeling sorry for our sin, um, and this verse just speaks so much into that. It says that God demonstrates his love and that why we were still sinners, why we were enemies of him. When you were doing the worst thing you've ever done, Christ died for you for that, right? Um, and then in First John, um, one of my favorite little books, if you ever wanted to say that you read an entire book of the Bible in one day, that would be the book to do. It's five chapters. If five chapters is too much, go to the next book. It's a few shorter. And if that's too many, go to Third John. It's one chapter. And you can tell all of your friends that you read one book of the Bible in one day and look super cool. Um, so, but in First John, it says, if we say that we are without sin and the truth is not in us. Sorry, if we say that we are without sins, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we acknowledge our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from every wrongdoing. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him, we make God a liar and his words not in us. So I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to call God a liar. I don't want to try to make him a liar. So let's just look at what this means a little bit and how this affects our Catholic guilt and what it means for us and, and how we receive mercy in our lives. So some people will say, oh, we're without sin. 
like sin's not a problem for them. God's not important in my life. But what, what, what the scripture's saying is that that's deception, that that's deceiving ourselves to think like that. And, um, but on the opposite side, if we acknowledge our sins, so us Catholics, we go to reconciliation, but yet we still have this Catholic guilt going on, right? But what this is saying is that if we acknowledge our sins, God is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins. This is a promise and cleanse us from every wrongdoing, right? So God um, demonstrates his love. He didn't just demonstrate it once. It's not in the past tense. It's not just God saying, look, I demonstrated my love on the cross, and I died for all those people 2,000 years ago. He's saying that he wants to demonstrate his love for you today with that one sin you've been struggling with, with that big sin that you always think about and all this guilt comes in. He wants to come in and love you in that. So I just want to tell a story about how this is, has um, worked in my life. Just recently, a couple of months ago, um, I, I came to um, St. Mary's Catholic Center um, for a root sin workshop. And if you have no idea what a root sin workshop is, neither did I until about three months ago, right? Um, but what this was, was there was these two ladies who just got this calling from God to, to go around, uh, mainly the, starting in this area, and to address the things that um, cause us to sin, right? So if you think about somebody who um, struggles with a particular sin, let's say they're, um, there's a young person who struggles with underage drinking. Okay, well, what is, um, maybe they're struggling with that sin and they're trying to just like stop that, right? Maybe they want to stop and they can't. But what is the root, the root of that? What's under that? What are they really struggling with? Are they struggling with loneliness? Are they struggling with depression? Are they struggling with um, not being accepted by their peers? There are things that are under our sins at the root of them that make us continue to struggle with those sins or continue to struggle with that guilt. So I went to this, this root sin workshop, and it was mainly just for people in ministry. It was their first one. They wanted to test it out on us. And, and I went and I absolutely loved it. And I thought I was going so that I could share this with other people, right? But then as they started talking, they started talking about, okay, what is the, the, the root things behind the, the, the sins that you struggle with? And as the day was going on, I kept thinking about, um, you know, not only the sins I struggle with, but what happened in my past that kind of caused me to, 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 to think this way, to act this way? Well, one thing that they did was like, okay, picture like the sin that you still think about, you know? Um, so I, there, was, there was this time where uh, there's big sin in high school that I had, and I kept looking back at it, and, um, you know, they, they were like, okay, go look at it, pray with it, um, see where Jesus is in that situation. So, I've been doing that for years. I'd been told to do that by spiritual directors, by people who were friends of mine. And I would look back and I'd see myself in that situation and I would see Jesus there and he was just frustrated with me. He was mad at me. I felt shame. I felt guilt. But then for the first time in this root sin workshop, I looked back I pictured Jesus in that situation and I realized that he wasn't saddened by what I was doing. But he was sad because he knew that my sin separated me from him and he loved me and wanted to be 
the king of my life, the Lord of my life. He wanted to be my friend. He wanted to come and help me in that situation. But I kept looking at him as this God that was angry, that would just wanted to, uh, to punish me for that. And, and, and it, was, it was holding me back in my faith. But then looking and seeing Jesus there sad for me and wanting more for me and wanting me to return to him, I, 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 I almost immediately pictured the father in the prodigal son story, right? All he wanted was his son to return. And the son was probably sitting in that trough eating pig food, thinking that when he returned, the father would be mad at him. But the father ran to him and hugged him and wanted to, to give him all, um, give him a, a huge banquet and gave him a great cloak and gave him a huge hug and ran out to him. And for the first time in my life, that, that I felt God's mercy penetrate that situation that had happened over 10 years ago that I'd always struggled with guilt with. And God just loved me in that moment. So it's not just whenever we're perfect and and life's going well and we're going to mass and we're praying our rosaries and we're doing all these things for the church that God loves us. God continues to love us in our neutral days and he loves us in our worst days. He loves us in our our worst sin and he just wants us to return to him and accept his mercy. Um, So God wants to continually redeem and hear us. So as I was struggling with this over the past year and just kind of looking at how uh, in this year of mercy, how I'm supposed to receive God's mercy and how I'm supposed to give God's mercy, I was like, okay, I'd go to prayer and see like, okay, where's the Holy Spirit moving? And I would try to kind of figure it out. But then there's this, there's this man named Pope Francis. He lives over in this little town in Italy. The Holy Spirit tends to talk to, talk to him quite a bit, right? So he, he, he embarked on this year of mercy. And I was like, you know what? That's the theme I'm going to go with because he probably knows better than me. Um, so in my life, the big, the big focus was Christ's victory and the joy of the gospel, right? And then <laughs> it's funny how these things connect, right? So God wants to give us mercy and have, help us to receive mercy. And once we receive mercy, we are joining in, in Christ's victory and this joy of the gospel, which is a book that Pope Francis wrote a few years ago. So these two things are interconnected. Whenever we are receiving God's mercy and we are hearing God's mercy, um, of God's mercy in mass, we, we can then walk in the victory that Christ won for us on the cross. We can walk in the joy of the gospel and share that joy with all that we encounter. Another one of the scriptures uh, in, in talking about the mercy, t- uh, uh, talking about this, this topic of, of mercy and, and Jesus' sacrifice for us is that it's talking about how Adam's disobedience, one man's disobedience brought sin into the world. But through one man's obedience, through Jesus' obedience, we are bought back in blood. So if you think about it, like think about the person in your life that you would die for. And I sat with this question for a while and I was like, okay, I, I would die for my parents. I would die for my wife and my kids. I would die for my sisters. I'd die for some of my closest friends. But I can't honestly say that if there was some stranger in the road and I was driving by and somebody had a gun to their head, that I'd just go stand in front of that gun. Honestly, I'd probably try to tackle him, but I wouldn't take the bullet, right? And that's just being honest. 
Jesus did that for us, right? We all were supposed to, um, the, the wages of sin is death. Every time we sin, the punishment is death. But if we accept Jesus and, 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 and his uh, death on the cross and his resurrection and l- believe in that and live in that and continue to be part of the church, continue to go to confession whenever we have been struggling with sin, we are accepting that God has bought us back in blood. He stood in the way of that bullet. He stood in the way of our punishment. Because of and despite our disobedience, he was obedient, even obedient to the point of death. So I keep looking back and seeing how God just continued to pour his love and mercy out on me. I look back to my childhood. I grew up in the church. I was born, I was born in the church, baptized early, went to RE, went to CCE, um, and absolutely couldn't stand it, right? I, uh, I was looking at, um, at all these things that the church had to offer. I was, you know, a fourth grader, fifth grader, sixth grader, just bored in mass, bored in RE. I enjoyed learning things, um, but it wasn't really for the sake of knowing God. It was for the sake of being, you know, so I can prove that I was smarter than the kids sitting next to me, right? Um, and then in junior high, actually, I was so bored at, at, at mass. I was so bored with, with um, CCE that I told my mom that I, didn't, uh, that I wanted to go to the non-denominational school, uh, the non-denominational church, uh, sorry, on, uh, on Sunday mornings. And she made a deal with me. She said, okay. She knew I didn't like early mornings. So she said, if you go to the early morning mass with me every Sunday, then I'll take you over to the non-denominational service after. And I did that for two years in junior high. And it was one of those things that I, you know, I, I, I enjoyed the preaching. I enjoyed that style of music. But also the whole time I knew that there was just something missing. I, I didn't quite know what it was at that time. But um, at the summer after my eighth grade year, I went to a Steubenville Youth Conference, uh, the, the conference that I was talking about that we took our youth to this summer. They've been doing them for 30 or 40 years. Um, and it's just this weekend of, of praise and worship and, and a community. There were 5,000 young people, um, Catholic young people, just wanting to grow closer to Christ, to encounter Christ uh, for the first time, for the second time, for the hundredth time. Um, and I went there. That was my first encounter with Christ in the Eucharist, where I knew that the Eucharist was, was truly God, that the Eucharist was truly present for us. And that was the first time that I really had, where I really chose to live for God. And then I realized, you know, that, that all through those years that whenever I was bored in religious education, I was still learning that knowledge. Those two years when I was going to the non-denominational service, I was being spiritually fed, but I knew that there was something missing. And I realized that some of my eighth grade year that what I was missing was the presence of Jesus in me, right? Was recognizing that God was in the Eucharist. So I'm just so thankful for God's mercy in my life and how He has made all these things that, um, all these things that were pushing me away from being Catholic, how I was bored of it when I was a young person, um, how He has made all those things work for the betterment of me. You know, I work with young people all the time now who are bored at Mass, who are bored with their religious education. And and it's it's just a great, um, it's it's just awesome to share that testimony and be like, look, I understand, I get it. But there's so much to this Catholic faith that we have, and there's so much to God wanting to just to, to just share His love and mercy with you. So, um, I want to just just share this song with you that we've that um, I I've been praying with over the past couple of months, and it's it's um it's called God demonstrates His love, 
and we'll just do this and take it into break. But as as you're just driving through your car, as you're um, um, as you're sitting at home, uh, just take take a few minutes to listen to this, uh, to pray with it. If you're driving your car, please do not cl- close your eyes. That would be dangerous for the rest of us. Let's ha- not have a Jesus take the wheel moment. But uh, we'll be right back after the break. After the break, after this uh, this song, we'll be talking with. Uh, Dylan Browning, who's, as I mentioned earlier, is a youth minister in the area. We'll be talking about his experience at World Youth Day and how he encountered God there and how he encountered God's mercy there. So we will be right back.
So that song's just been awesome for me uh, in the past couple of months, just looking at, at some of those great lyrics we just ended with, you know, through one man's obedience, we were bought back in blood. Um, but then also, you know, that, that right before the chorus, it says, until you look upon me and your mercy fell on me, I was deep in sin, I was deep in sin, but your love was deeper. And that was my experience um, in, in experiencing God's mercy in that huge sin of mine was that, you know, I knew that my, I was deep in sin, but his love for me, his mercy for me was deeper in that. And he just wants to, as the song said, continually pour his love out on me. And he wants to do the same for you. So we're going to take a, a, a quick break and we will come right back with Dylan Browning. And he's going to share his story about World Youth Day and his experience there with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Schroll, and we are here on Red Sea Radio 88.5. I'm here in studio with my good friend, Dylan Browning. What's up, Dylan? Not a whole lot. Thanks you, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. Uh, Dylan is not feeling well today, and he is, he is uh, being a trooper today and sticking it out. Um, he's here to, to talk to us about his experience in World Youth Day. But before we get into that, just uh, Dylan, if you want to just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you come from, why you're Catholic, what are you doing here, that sort of thing. Well, like you already mentioned, my name is Dylan. I am an ablaze missionary here in town. I have been at St. Anthony's for a little over a year now, doing middle school youth ministry there. And I recently hopped on board at St. Joseph's Catholic School with the campus ministry. I am, on top of that, I am also a college student. I am finishing up my last few classes here at Texas A&M, and I recently just started at Franciscan University studying uh, theology and catechetics, master's program, so I have a full plate right now, (laughs) definitely. Um, So a little bit about me, I am originally from a little bit outside of Beaumont, Texas, a little town called Groves, Texas. Uh, there's not a whole lot to see there, so I do not recommend um, stopping by. <laughs> Maybe it's just best to drive through. But uh, the reason I'm Catholic is Jesus told me I needed to be. I was just, uh, you know, I have a story I feel like is very similar to Taylor's, in which I just reached a point in my life where I was um, in desperate need of of His love, and He kept calling out to me, and finally I recognized His presence. And that's just the way in which I was called to the church, and that has continued to build and into why I'm in ministry. Um, so that's just a little bit about me and a very vague explanation and how I have gotten to where I'm at now in my life. I'll, I'll take that answer because Jesus told me to. That, that is that is probably the best answer you could probably get. So uh, thanks for introducing yourself. We just. Uh, I'm excited to just have you here. Um, I've never been to World Youth Day. I've always wanted to go. Um, I've been on a plane like four times in my life, so traveling just sounds like a, to- a lot of fun to me. Um, but I didn't experience World Youth Day, and you did, and a lot of people listening out there didn't experience it either. So just first of all, for those that don't know, like what is World Youth Day? World Youth Day is a a gathering of entirely way too many Catholics in an area that's probably not big enough for it. <laughs> um, but on a more serious note, it is a it is a five-day pilgrimage to a location that is uh, selected by the Pope. It happens every two to three years. 
Um, so this year we were in Krakow, Poland, um, from July 26th to July 31st. And most people there were, um, bookend that trip with some extra days of pilgrimage as well. So I was there actually for a little over two weeks. Um, so it was a gathering of a couple million young adults, uh, young Catholics. Wow. And there's catechesis every day throughout the day in native languages spread all over the area. There are pilgrim sites that are set up, just a number of places to go and experience um, the presence of Jesus and to experience the life of the saints and see where a lot of these people um, where they walked, where they lived their lives, where they were human beings. Uh, we capped off the World Youth Day with the Papal Mass in this enormous field with you know two, three million Catholics. It was absolutely insane. Um, <laughs> a little bigger than our parishes around here, huh? A tad, a tad <laughs> bit, a tad bit. Yeah, we actually had to camp out the night before in this field with a couple million people, and it was just an insane experience. But it was um, absolutely life-changing and a one-of-a-kind experience. One-of-a-kind every three years, huh? Every three years, yeah. yeah. Um, so the Pope was there, <laughs> and I hear you got to see him. What was that experience like? Yeah, so the Pope actually was driving through the streets of Krakow, heading to— He a, was driving? Well, he was riding <laughs> through the streets of Krakow, heading to Stations of the Cross um, experience that was going on. And the small group I was with were just kind of hanging out around town and— Wanted to see the sights a little bit and walk around some of the churches. So as we're walking down the street, we see some insane security starting to like set up and there's helicopters above us and there's, you know, flashing lights everywhere. So we, we knew that um, someone very, very important was going to be driving through <laughs> soon. And we just only assumed it was Pope Francis. So yeah, it's either we, him or Justin Bieber, huh? Yeah, One probably. <laughs> we're, thankfully, it was Pope Francis. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Absolutely. So we just hung out for a couple minutes. And before we knew it, there was just a motorcade driving down, driving down the street. And we actually got a little glimpse of him. Uh, luckily, he was leaning out our side of the car, like on our side of the road. So we saw him from about eight, ten feet away. Um, it was a really cool experience to kind of be that close to such a holy man. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I can't I can't imagine. I've heard people uh, going to, you know, when they know that they're going to see the Pope, and they have this whole plan of like, uh, one of my friends was, was going to get married. He's like, Holy Father, bless my marriage. He was going to say that, and then the Pope came. He's just like, uh, and he just put out his hand to shake his hand. Like, he didn't know what to say. He just that, that starstruck um, aspect of it. So, so, um, yeah, so that, that that sounds great. Being around that many Catholics, you know, that just sounds amazing and claustrophobic. Um, but uh, absolutely. So you do the uh, there's you said there's catechesis in the morning. There's like prayer stuff at night. Um, but I've also um, never really done a pilgrimage. Um, so what what's kind of the point of of the pilgrimage aspect of it? And how was that for you on your trip? So the way they had it set up, there's just a large number of modern day saints that have come out of. Poland, and in particular that area of Poland, um, St. John Paul II grew up in Wadowice, which was uh, less than an hour from Krakow. And then we I had have... that for dinner the other day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, St. Faustina as well uh, is lo- was located in Krakow, and um, St. Maximilian Kolbe, obviously, who was killed in Auschwitz. These three great modern-day saints who we're all located in that region, and there's a real focus on these, these three people um, throughout World Youth Day. And um, There's a number of places we got to visit. We got to go to the Divine Mercy 
Center as well as um, the Shrine to St. John Paul II and got to kind of like walk through there and stand in some insane lines to spend 10 <laughs> minutes in these churches. And um, we got to one of the coolest things I got to see um, in particular on that day was walking through the Shrine to St. John Paul II and seeing um, the clerics that he was wearing from his assassination attempt that were on display there. It was just a really, um, really beautiful to to encounter something like that, to, um, to recognize that the enemy was so scared of the Holy Spirit and that man that they'd rather have him dead than walking this earth. Um, but also to recognize the mercy that came from that experience for St. John Paul II to turn around and not only forgive that man, but to invest in him, to build a relationship with him. Uh, it was truly a moving experience to, to be before that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Like we were talking uh, a few minutes ago, just how how God demonstrated his love that while we were still sinners, he died for us, right? Like while we were his enemies, he sought us out in love and mercy. And that's the same thing that John Paul II did with that guy. Like he sought him out to go share his forgiveness with him, share the love of Christ with him for a guy that just shot him, right? I mean, talk about enemy. Like you can't get more enemy than somebody trying to shoot you, right? Uh, that's that's just such an inspiring story. I can't, I can't imagine what it was like to be there. Yeah, it was it was absolutely beautiful, and to see so many people on top of that um, walking around and venerating these these holy places, it was just um, truly moving to see um, to see just a little glimpse of how big our church actually is. To walk around and you go ten, twelve hours with not hearing your own language, hearing languages from all around the world, and um, being immersed in so many different cultures, and to to get an idea of like how vast the Catholic church is. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. So you got to see John Paul II and what was in the St. Faustina? You mentioned her too. What did you see with her? So we went, I didn't get the opportunity to actually enter into, um, to the convent where she's located, but, um, the divine mercy center is actually connected to the convent where she was. And, um, and they have a small chapel there where the original Divine Mercy image is on display. Oh, cool. And beneath beneath that is um, where her body rests. Um, I didn't get the opportunity to go in there just being pressed for time and having so much to do. But um, spending time just in the center and around the area as well as the St. John Paul II shrine that was right across the, right across the street, a little... A short little walk away. Man, that's crazy. So having this John Paul II and his clothes there with blood on him, showing his, you know, reminding you of his sign of mercy. And then there's this saint whose entire like life goal was to share the the mercy of God with everybody, just connected to each other. That's that's amazing. So uh, you also mentioned that you went to Auschwitz. Man, I remember learning about that place in school. It was probably pretty rough. Uh, what was your experience like there? Uh, man, Auschwitz was definitely the highlight of. My, my pilgrimage, without a doubt. Um, we got the opportunity to walk through there one afternoon, and it was, you know, a lot of people walk through, and a lot of people know it is such a dark place and such a painful place. They remember the one and a half million people who were, who were murdered there, and um, for me, my experience was almost the exact opposite. As I, as I walked around the, you know, 30, 40 acres of the main campus of Auschwitz. And um, I couldn't help but be overwhelmed with um, the presence of the Holy Spirit there. 
Um, and it sounds insane, but let me defend myself for a moment. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Auschwitz is where St. Maximilian Kolbe was martyred. And a little backstory on uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe is that he ended up in Auschwitz because he was um, holding some fugitives in the monastery. And whenever, um, you know, whenever the Nazis came in, they, you know, took him as well as the Jewish people that he was, um, he was trying to save in that moment. And while he was there, his, um, his barrack group each day, they were sent out to do manual labor for long hours. And they would always count the heads before they left and made sure that at the end of the day, the same amount of heads returned even if one of the people died, you had to bring that body back so that they could be accounted for. Oh, wow. Yeah, and um, on one particular day, one of the guys in his group didn't return, um, was assumed to have tried to escape, and to pay the consequences, two people from that, from that group were selected at random to be sentenced to death, to starve to death. And one of the two that were chosen was a young guy who had just been um just been placed into Auschwitz who was leaving behind young children and a and a wife and just cried out for help in that moment I um, was just pleading with the officer and St. Maximilian Kolbe at the time was known as 16670 stood stood forward and offered himself in the place of this man oh wow and volunteered to be um to be locked underground under a building to starve to death with no food, no water, in a dark room. Um, so he he entered that room willingly, and two weeks later, the guards went in to clean out clean out the dead bodies and to just make make room for more. And when they entered underground, they they heard songs of joy echoing down the hallway, and as they opened his cell he was glowing in darkness and just that presence of christ in the midst of absolute darkness that he was willing to sacrifice himself for another person and the way in which the holy spirit worked in him he eventually was murdered for this act um obviously um Considering they were they were attempting to put him to death, um, but he is known um, he's known as a saint now, and really the presence of the Holy Spirit in him in that act is undeniably present on that campus to this day. And when you walk around, there's monuments for him, there are plaques where he made all of these decisions, all of these movements, and the place serves almost as a place of of pilgrimage just for him. And it is just absolutely beautiful the way that the way that one person could absolutely um, transform such a dark and cruel place because of his willingness to follow the spirit and to um, to live a life completely devoted to Christ. That may be one of the best stories I've ever heard in my life. That's awesome, man. Just uh, you talking about him glowing just reminds me of Moses in the Old Testament. You know, he comes down with the with God's word. He just encountered God, and he came down. And he was shining and glowing. And this guy did the same thing, but not on a mountain. He did it in in torture. I mean, that's just that's just amazing. What a great story. Um, 
So if you had like the biggest takeaway, so you've come home now, <laughs> womp womp, you've come home from this great experience. Uh, what's like the biggest takeaway, the biggest thing that um, how this event changed you? Um, yeah, I think that one thing that made this pilgrimage absolutely unique is the focal points of this pilgrimage. A lot of the saints in which they they surrounded this event around are all modern day saints. You know, St. Faustina, St. John Paul II, Maximilian Kolbe, Blessed Pierre, Giorgio Frassati, these are all people who have died within the last hundred years, who have lived within modern society to some degree. And to see these people be so countercultural in a culture that is similar to what we're living in today is just absolutely amazing. It 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 makes me come home and recognize that the standard of what life is, is not, you know, you know, a lot of us, we say when we sin, we kind of fall into it like, Oh, well we're human. Like that's to be expected. Like, um, that's okay. I can, you know, I'll try, I'll try better next time. It's like these people show that like, that's not what being human is about that. Um, we're making excuses for ourselves and to see that a life for Christ completely devoted to Christ, um, to, to die to self, to be, um, you know, what we call like a white martyr is absolutely possible. Even today, you know, we're about to canonize mother Teresa, who is another person who, who showed us that. And to be around also, people who are very much alive, you know, walking the streets with, you know, whether it be bishops, cardinals, lay people, priests who have completely sacrificed themselves to follow Christ is amazing. There was a group of, I think they said 40 people who came from basically the opposite end of the world, like a complete opposite side of the world in comparison to Poland this small island that had a couple of villages and no one on this island had ever left except for the missionary priests who were there. Oh, wow. And they had 40 people from there who came to Poland. Um, they were sponsored by, I believe, um, Diocese of Boston. Like half of them came um, sponsored by the Diocese of Boston and they came over and to completely leave home behind and to travel all this way. These people had never seen, um, never seen a plane before, had never seen escalators before, <laughs> things like this. And to come what is into this madness? A, yeah, to come into a modern culture, um, they left everything behind and encountered something completely different. Like that's the beauty of following Christ is to like walk into the unknown like that. Yeah. That's so awesome, man. Like so growing, I grew up in a small town in Texas and I would just see, I thought Every Catholic was just like the normal Catholic that I knew, you know. But like you were saying, your experience of seeing you know these people who had you know came across the world to come experience this, and your your experience with these these modern day saints, like we can do this. Like God calls us to greatness. Absolutely. He, he calls us to something more. And I, I so often we're just kind of stuck in the status quo. We're stuck in um, just doing the same things over and over again, and not challenging ourselves to grow. But God calls us to something great. Um, going back to this, like my, my favorite book in the Bible is 1 John. And in 1 John, it's one of my favorite passages. It, it, it says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. 
And I'm like, oh, I always thought I was just supposed to be, you know, like a good person. Like, you know, I knew I was going to sin. I was going to mess up. But it's like, no, the standard is be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. Absolutely. And I think as, um, as Catholics, our mindset of what our call to holiness is completely backwards. You know, we feel like we're called to be better than the person next to us. When we're actually called to be Christ in the world today. Right. Yeah. And he was better than all of us. Right. Um, and just on our theme of mercy, like it's just so cool how God, he calls us to this perfection. I, I always think of it like I love sports. I'm a big baseball fan. And, you know, what's the goal of a pitcher every day? Every time he goes out, what is his goal? I mean, his goal is not to give up a run. His right. Goals, yeah. He's not to give up a run, not to give up a hit, not to give up a walk. Well, that's called a perfect game, right? His goal is to be perfect every time he gets on the mound. But, uh, you know, the, there's this thing called the Hall of Fame in baseball. And in this Hall of Fame, the best pitchers in the Hall of Fame have like a three or four ERA. It's earned run average. That's every nine innings that they pitch, they give up three or four runs, right? But that's when they were striving to be perfect. They were striving to, to strike out or to get, in, to get out every batter. But the best people ever still gave up, you know, three or four runs every nine innings. And I look at that with us, and it's like, okay, we're called to be perfect. I'm called to pitch a perfect game in my spiritual life every day. But I'm an idiot, and I mess up, right? I'm a sinner, um, and I, 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 I can't often be perfect. I can't live up to that. But God's still merciful, and he, and he still loves us in that, and he still wants to come and, and forgive us and to encounter us and, and, uh, and, and let, him, let us encounter his mercy in the confessional and just um, to come back and say, like, look, you're, you're trying to be like me, and I know you couldn't do it, so I sent my son Jesus to do it for you. To, to fill in the gaps where you can't where you can't live up to this great standard that we've set but um yeah I just want us to continue to be called to greatness like these like these great saints were and, and it's funny because you know, we have our Hall of Fame too the Saints you saw some of our Hall of famers right you saw John Paul II you saw Saint Faustina um, you you saw all these great modern day saints who just like you said just remind you that look we can do this. We can do this. We can, we can live up to this great call that God has given us. Um, so I hear they do, they're doing this again, right? They do this every couple of years. Where's the next one at? Yeah, so at the closing mass for World Youth Day 2016, they announced that the next World Youth Day gathering will be in 2019 in Panama. Panama. <laughs> I love that country. I, I, I hear we gave it back to them or something like that. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping I can go. Are you going back? I hope so. We'll see about that. <laughs> cool. So all of the Jesus negated the negative part of all of the crowds and sleeping outside before mass, right? So um, so I just want to thank you, Dylan, for coming out. Um, to, for more from Dylan, uh, you can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, at Dylan M. Browning. Um, and I just want to thank you for joining us here on, the, on, on our first Forte Catholic show. Um, again, my name is Taylor Schroll. Um, if you want to continue to, to, to listen to us, tune in on 88.5 on Red Sea Radio. You can also follow me on all of the social medias at Taylor Schroll. Um, my website is ForteCatholic.com. You can find the show. You can find the blogs. You can find some more. Um, and then uh, I'd love to just meet you in person. So give me a shout out. Um, follow me there. Um, until then, uh, continue to live your faith in a way that will inspire others to follow Christ in a deeper way. Thanks, and God bless.